Summer is closing in. OTAs are upon us. Mini camp is looking like right over the horizon. Stuff is going on in the NFL. It's football season. Adam Beasley, it's always football season. I want to know what was on your grill Memorial Day weekend. Uh, actually, I bought a new grill. Congrats. And thank you very much because, I mean, at the point where – you're starting to taste the iguana on uh, your hamburgers <laughs> from your 18-year-old former grill. Uh, you know, it's time to, to change. What do you think? It's time. Eight, 18 years old in a climate like South Florida is uh, money well spent. That's uh, that's pretty yeah. remarkable. Was it a yeah. Weber? Uh, it's a KitchenAid uh, mm-hmm. bought from, of course, Costco because my wife refuses to shop anywhere else. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so it's not fully functional at this stage. So, unfortunately, the new grill looks great, but it looks great. <laughs> that's that's the extent of it. I, I spent the entire weekend, it feels like, on the grill. I mean, we uh, Friday night I was at... Uh, you know how the, the the Parkland peeps roll, Armando. We just have these big house parties and yeah. rev, revel in our affluence and our uh, elitism. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's exactly how we were. We uh, I was uh, Friday night. I was at a buddy's house who lives in Parkland Golf. Uh, on the eleventh tee, he had a whole uh, cornucopia of meats and uh, fishes and all. Then on Saturday night, I went to Joe Shad's house. Uh, 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 we put a little of proof of that on social media. Uh, here's a pro tip to anyone who wants to uh, be a baller on a budget. Go to a high-end butcher. I go to Doris. I mean, they don't advertise for us, but it's just you know, full disclosure. I go to Doris, which is an Italian market all over Broward County. And I, I get their prime sirloin. And you can get it in a whole piece, which is like a 10-pound cut of meat, for 8 bucks a pound. So for $80, you can, have, you can feed basically 20 people steaks. And you cook those right on the grill, put a little butter on top at the end, and it tastes restaurant quality. It is so good. So I, we had that both on Saturday and yesterday with my family. My family came over yesterday. And also that's a Beasley favorite, Armando, Argentine shrimp. Are you a shrimp guy? I'm a shrimp guy. Yeah, Argentine shrimp almost tastes like lobster. So you marinate that bad boy in a little oil, a little lime juice, a little cayenne pepper for four hours. Put your grill on high, three minutes on each side, and it is something out of uh, a, a, a fish house. It's delicious. So that's that's how I went all weekend. Had plenty of leftovers today. Uh, my cardiologist is probably thanking me for the extra work that I provided him recently. Uh, but I had a good holiday. I hope you had one too. Yeah, um, I had a peanut butter and jelly yesterday. <laughs> and I have no friends or family. I don't believe a word. I don't believe a word you're saying. I do not believe <laughs> the sun never shines where I live. Look, you ha- you probably have like an 80-foot yacht in your palatial backyard that you just go up and you 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 probably didn't spend Memorial Day weekend here. You took a you took a trip to Bimini, is that true? Uh yeah, no. <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, uh, on Sunday morning, we, we splurged, um, my wife gave me a hard boiled egg. It was oh, great. Stop, stop it. I, <laughs> I, I know that you're pulling my leg because, uh, you, you love eating as much as I do. And I know oh, you go to more. 
you go to some fantastic restaurants. So I don't I don't believe that you roughed it this past weekend. No, no, it was great. It was really wonderful, and uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it almost as much as I enjoy um, the fact that we have actual football practices that mm-hmm. we are able to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have actual interviews that we are able to call information from. Um, and I want to start this week, Adam, if we can, by uh, addressing the Tua Tungavailoa press conference of last week. Um, so it's it, the message was pretty clear, I thought. What was the message, Adam, from Tua? I shouldn't have been playing last year, last year. I don't think I was ready. I didn't know the playbook. My hip still kind of hurt. I mean, was that, that the was, voice? That wasn't that wasn't the voice. That wasn't quite the voice, but that was pretty close to the uh, synoptic version of the message. And mm-hmm. my, so, what did you make of that? I mean, I'm never going to rip a player for being honest. Ever, because that's our lifeblood as journalists. We need people to be candid. We need people to be open and vulnerable. And uh, he was all those things. He's always those things. I mean, to a fault, Tua is an honest guy. And um, I credit him for that. I think that he sometimes puts himself in situations where it's not the best reflection of him. But I don't know if he cares. And I think he, I think he, he is so innately forthcoming and honest about pretty much anything you ask him. This context, particularly those of us who are saying last year that the wrong guy was playing quarterback in 2020, uh, because I don't think there's anyone that can argue now that aside from, and again, he did bank a lot of experience, learning experiences last year that are going to pay dividends this year. But if, you're, if your entire thesis is we're playing the best guys and we're trying to win each and every game doing whatever we can, I don't know how, after what we heard from Tua last week, you can think that was completely the case in 2020 with the Miami Dolphins. Of course, it wasn't the case because the thesis is uh, from Brian Flores is for public consumption but not for reality consumption. We all know that um, it's it's always we're going to play the best player. And like you just mentioned, Tua was not the best quarterback on the team at the time that he was playing at times last year. Um, we're, you know, open for competition everywhere throughout the team, except that Tua is our starter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want guys that are tough and love football and are smart, except we're going to claim Isaiah Wilson or bring him onto our roster. So the thesis has um, moments where the thesis goes out the window. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, Reality steps in and they do what's expedient, but that's not the concern. Here's my concern. So was Tua... Was that message a, I was inexperienced and just had a hard time getting up to speed on running an NFL offense, which, by the way, I have zero problems with Mm -hmm. because everybody does. Or was it, 
I had a hard time because I didn't try and study hard enough. That would have been a great follow-up question. Um, I don't know. Uh, my idea is if that there is evidence to the coaching staff that Tua wasn't taking his job seriously, then they're doubly wrong to have played him. And I, I, that, that to me would be surprising if, uh, if he was clearly not, not preparing himself. There's a difference between being unprepared and not preparing, right? Because there are a lot, there are a lot of experiences in life I'm not prepared, I'm unprepared for, but I, I'm not preparing for those moments. Like I'm not preparing to, fix an air conditioner because that's never going to come up for me. I'm never going to fix an air conditioner. So, but you know, I don't think he, I don't think he purposefully slacked off. I, 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 that would stun me because that goes against everything we've heard about the guy. But if he, if, if the offense was too complex for him or too fast for him or the moment was too big for him, I think that's an equally concerning aspect of the story. Well, uh, Everybody that destroyed Chan Gailey last year, because we all saw that the offense that Chan Gailey was calling for Ryan Fitzpatrick was significantly different than the one he was calling for Tua Tungavailoa. And we kind of, I don't want to say ripped Chan Gailey for it, but we made note of the fact that Chan doesn't seem to be trusting Tua and he's calling a much more rudimentary offense for Tua than for Ryan. Mm-hmm. I think now we come to understand that Chan was kind of cornered into that position because he must have understood that Tua just simply wasn't ready to take on the full, you know, A to Z encyclopedic offense, full knowledge thereof that Ryan Fitzpatrick had. Yeah, I mean, maybe he was protecting him too, protecting the team, but also protecting Tua and not putting him in positions where he knows he would fail. These are all questions I'd love to ask Chan Gailey. We have not heard from him in five months, sadly, uh, since he uh, abruptly resigned his post as offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins and presumably is retired. I would be surprised if he's a coach again uh, at any level, aside from maybe Pop Warner or high school as a as a hobby. I, I think his professional career is over. Um but that's, I mean, I wonder how the players handled it last year. That, that's, that's what I want to know. And you've kind of written some of about this uh, in January where, uh, remind me the exact thesis, but the general idea, if I remember correctly, is there are people in that locker room that knew he wasn't ready? They knew he wasn't ready. They knew he wasn't the best quarterback on the team. Um, obviously, Boys will be boys. Men will be men. And so there were jokes Mm -hmm. uh, about, you know, what it looked like sometimes in practice. And, um, yeah, it it wasn't everybody. I didn't talk to everybody, as you know. But the ones that I did talk to, they have eyes. They see stuff. And they see practices that we don't see. And they understood, and it was very clear to them, that the Dolphins were uh, going through a growing exercise and their confidence ebbed and flowed very often as Ryan Fitzpatrick was in or out of the lineup. And I know that uh, you tweeted about it. Mike Gusecki kind of um, tried to 
be the guy that doesn't believe that way, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, except that he was the biggest cheerleader for Ryan Fitzpatrick I've ever seen. <laughs> well, that, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of made his career. You look Correct. at uh, you look at Gasicki's stats with uh, Fitzpatrick in his career and st- his stats without Fitzpatrick, and they are staggeringly different. So, uh, yeah, so all of that leads us to, I, I think, this one issue. The Dolphins are putting in a new offense, and now we we have a clearer picture of what that might be. It's not necessarily the Chan Gailey offense. It's parts of the Chan Gailey offense, parts of this, that, and the other thing. It's the Mutt offense because mm-hmm. it has many, many breeds in there from many places and many sources. And so is Tua going to be able to digest all of it and have it all down by the time we kick off on September or whatever it is, 12th, I think, or something like that? Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. How much do you believe of everyone saying, oh, he's far more confident this year. I'm far more confident this year. I know the, I know my place. I, you know, the hit feels better. Because all along last year, uh, the hip wasn't a concern until yesterday or last week, whenever it was, we talked to, to Tua. Uh, it still wasn't 100%, right? Like, <laughs> I asked him point blank, well, was it the real Tua last year? And he dodged the question, so we know the answer, that he he had physical limitations even still. Not that he was worried about being put at risk or there was anything structurally wrong with it, but when you go through an injury of that magnitude, there's a difference between healed and healed, right? Like, like there's a difference between healed and recovered. He was healed. He wasn't recovered yet. Uh, and so I'm, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of a skeptical eye on every evaluation we get of Tua going forward because a lot of what we heard in 2020 wasn't the complete truth. And again, for understandable reasons, they were trying to protect a guy who, you know, November of 2019 wasn't completely certain he'd ever play the game again. Uh, and he was a rookie coming into a team that had aspirations to make some noise in the regular and perhaps postseason. And they were doing whatever they could to protect him. Um, they, as in, they didn't make him available to speak for the first six weeks of the, the football season, which was pretty wild. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, it would be encouraging if everything that they said was correct. And unfortunately, um, the practice that we saw last week wasn't at all illuminating they didn't even do one-on-ones offense versus defense wide receiver versus corner it was all offense and it was all defense on two separate fields um so i don't know i don't know if those things we're hearing are accurate you'd have to hope for the the health of the the organization they are and that he is taking this next big leap forward but i i mean i'm i'm gonna wait and see well uh i have a little bit different take and it, it is as follows um, I'm not going to think that he was lying or that the team was lying, but rather that they were telling the truth of the moment. And sometimes the truth of the moment changes six, mo- six months worth of moments later. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, what I'm saying is as far as he knew, he felt good. And that was what he knew because that was what he was experiencing. But six months later, um, he feels way, way better and mm-hmm. much different. And so what he thought was really good six months ago suddenly changes to, oh, 
this is way better. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to choose to believe that. Uh, and until further notice, uh, just go roll with that. Having said all that, we have to not look away, not dismiss, not ignore something very, 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 very significant that could happen with the Miami Dolphins quarterback situation. And we'll talk about that on the other side of this break. Adam, mm-hmm. I got very dramatic at the end of that last segment. Oh, my poems I, got sweaty. I was, yes, I, I was a flutter myself, and I and the words were coming out of my own mouth. So the one thing that I think we have taken our eye off, and I think that as the summer wears on, we might want to occasionally glimpse at the situation because it is not over. And I'm going to say it, and people are going to roll their eyes. Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Deshaun Watson. I'm going to say it again. Deshaun Watson. Um, you're, 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 you're absolutely right that it is not dead. But you'd have to think it's on life support, right? Is it? Is it? What's the case for it being on life support? Well, Obviously, these two sides want this to be resolved. I mean, there's been back and forth between uh, was it Busby, who's the uh, agent for the accusers, and is it Rusty Harden, who's the uh, attorney for, for, for Deshaun Watson? And Rusty Harden's a powerhouse attorney. I mean, he is basically every athlete that's ever gotten into trouble turns at some point to Rusty Harden. <clears throat> so uh, they, the, both of those sides know it's in their best interest to make this go away, but it hasn't yet. And it's June the 1st, and the regular season's a little bit over three months away. And then in addition to the legal side going away, the civil side, there has to be assurances that the criminal side isn't going to materialize. Maybe all these ag- accusers sign nondisclosure agreements and, and agree not to, to, to press charges. But then number three is the NFL has to sign off on it too, because if you're the Miami Dolphins, you ain't trading away Tua Tagovailoa if you don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to be available to you for the first half of the season. All that is absolutely correct. And this is also correct. The fact of the matter is those two sides, which have no love loss for one another, are speaking practically every week, and they are speaking about getting to an expected end of which they both want to get to, as you said, and that end is an end. It is a it is a payment. It is a uh, agreement. It is not obviously you're not going to pay someone who is then going to turn around and file you know criminal charges against you. So that is going to be part of that whole thing. Um, And if that civil situation resolves itself with a very hefty seven-plus-figure payment from Deshaun Watson, I think that the other two shoes that need to drop will drop very quickly. And those are um, that the 
criminal part will be figured out, and then the Texans will make a decision on what to do. And I think that if you read the tea leaves, they have been setting up for a Deshaun Watson trade. Oh, without um, without without a doubt. Without, right? I, I think. Uh, I mean probably since the second or third day of free agency when they started really making moves to address the position. Correct. And if they do that, you know, the NFL thing is not going to go on for months and months and months and months. It's not in their best interest, the NFL, to hold this uh, sword of Damocles or whatever the (laughs) dude's name was over one of the star players in the league. They're either going to, you know – let him be or cut his head off, but they're not going to just threaten him. It's going to be one of the two. And my guess is that if there is a, um, a civil understanding that Deshaun Watson is not going to be suspended for a year or, or indefinitely, uh, it might be games more than years. Right. Uh, So Uh, my guess, my guess is if there is a, uh, an agreement, and there's going to probably be, a, you know, an umbrella agreement that would cover all the accusers. I don't think he's right. going to go through this by one by one. Correct. My guess is there will be language in that contract that it compels the plaintiffs, each and every one of them, to immediately notify the NFL that they will not cooperate with any investigation. Because okay. because that way the NFL – again, investigation, the light blood is people talking. And Deshaun Watson's obviously not going to talk. And if the accusers aren't going to talk to the NFL as well, um, then all the league would have to work on is an agreement that's probably confidential, is a, is a settlement that's probably confidential and will never see the light of, light of day. Um, you're right. It, it would be difficult for them to drop a, a major hammer. Now, that there, there are others involved. I know that uh, Jenny Varentis – Sports Illustrated has done pretty exhaustive work on this case, and they've talked to women who are not part of this lawsuit. So that could be a complicating factor. Uh, but I agree with you largely that he, if, if there is in the next three months um, a settlement, a, a, you know, a, 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 an all-encompassing settlement, um, that the league would act pretty quickly on whatever it is they decide to do. And if they do decide to act, it might be a fine and maybe a game or two suspension. Correct. And at that point, Deshaun Watson is traded. And agree, com- agree completely. All I'm saying is that you know that the Denver Broncos are going to be involved because they don't have a quarterback. I mean, they do have a quarterback. I think they have like four quarterbacks, <laughs> but they don't have a quarterback, if you know what I'm saying. They got Teddy. Um, Teddy Teddy's fine. They'll be fine with him. The, I like Teddy a lot. I, I love Teddy Bridgewater, but I'd rather have Deshaun Watson. Yes, agreed. <laughs> so, and oh, by the way, I like Tua Tagovailoa, but I'd rather have Deshaun Watson. <laughs> agreed as well. Um, and as of four months ago or three months ago, the Miami Dolphins love Tua Tagovailoa also, but they would rather have Deshaun Watson, and so. Um, it would be poorly serving our listeners and readers to say there's no chance that the Miami Dolphins will ever, ever again visit the Deshaun Watson issue. Oh, I, I, I am certain that uh, the Drew Brooks of the world, uh, their security side, has been doing exhaustive research 
exhaustive research on this situation um, with, you know, with the understanding that uh, if the team feels comfortable, the league feels comfortable and, you know, <laughs> Texas law enforcement feels uh, comfortable that this is something that they would entertain. I guess my question for you is, do you think uh, that the, the Dolphins could get him for a discount after all this has happened? Because, I mean, there were people who were talking about four first-round picks four months ago. That's obviously off the table at this point. Uh, do you think what, – what do you think it would take the Dolphins to trade for him? His brand may be damaged, but, I mean, he's still a high-end performer. Oh, no, th- you're absolutely right. That's the beauty of this whole thing. Right now, the, the the Deshaun Watson worth is completely different from what it was, uh, you know, I would say months ago. Super Bowl. It's absolutely. Completely different. Um, and so, therefore, that's good. <laughs> that's good for anybody wanting the guy, don't you think? Well, I mean, uh, I, I, I do – Think I'm, I have to check my records, but I do think the Dolphins have an extra 2020 first round draft pick. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, 2022. Three. No, no 23. Yeah, two 23. years old. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, Tua, a second, and that first round pick that you got by moving from three to six, um, that all of a sudden doesn't look like a terrible deal. Absolutely not. It looks great. Um. And I know that the Tua Army will be up in arms. How dare you even think that the Dolphins should upgrade at quarterback? How dare you? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, uh, then your problem is with the Miami Dolphins because they I, want I, to be everywhere. Yeah, I mean, after what you heard the quarterback say with his own mouth last week, um, you have to kind of reassess your priors because – uh, people that were ride or die with Tua last year, even though it was pretty obvious that he wasn't their best, give them the best chance to win, they they didn't want to hear that argument. I mean, the own your own quarterback is now your own guy is, is is saying that. So you would hope that some perspective would sink in, but this is the internet that probably doesn't happen. Correct, and so therefore. Um, you know, fans are going to be fans, and they're they're going to think whatever they want to think. Uh, I think we have a job to do, and that is to present to them the best information that we have. And the best information is stay tuned. It's not mm-hmm. over. It's it's definitely not over. Now, here's something that should concern Miami Dolphins fans. Um, even if the best case scenario happens for Deshaun and he's cleared and uh, this all goes away, and the NFL slaps him on the wrist. Again, we don't know that to be the, the case yet because there is no settlement. And, you know, I mean, Texas law enforcement could still open an, further their investigation into the guy. But let's just say the best-case scenario happens for Deshaun Watson. Um, the Dolphins don't have the most to offer anymore. They did in True. February, March, and the beginning of April. They don't anymore. And uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have the most to offer because they have two and perhaps three first-round picks this year. And they got one of those first-round picks from the Dolphins. And they'll probably get another first-round pick from the Colts if uh, if Carson Wentz 
plays at a certain level to meet you know, meet meet those those requirements for it to be go from a second to a first. So, uh, you know, just because you want a guy, just because you think it might be a good fit. You got to have the ammo, and I don't know if they have the ammo anymore. When there are teams that could offer much more to the much more immediate gratification to the Texans and the Dolphins camp. You're absolutely right. Um, and again, we're not saying that the Dolphins are going to be the leaders in the clubhouse to trade for Deshaun Watson. Uh, we're just saying that they'll they'll be in the race if that becomes a possibility again. Uh, they'll be in the race and. I don't think they're secret. They were secretariat before the draft. Mm-hmm. Fair. I mm-hmm. mean, if, if the, the Sean Watson uh, saga had not come to the light of day, and you know, tragic as it is, the Dolphins would have been, you know, a front runner. I think, along with the Jets and maybe another team. But now they're 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 kind of. In there, but they might be an also ran. All these horse racing terms, I love. Them. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm getting ready for Belmont, which I believe is this weekend. I can't wait. I, I I'm just I'm just I, I'm gonna go and eat a hoof, <laughs> in, in like to go with my PB and J. On that new on that new grill you got? No, I'm not using the grill because it's new. I'll never use it. It's gonna last me 18 years, damn it! How do you think the last one lasted me 18 years? I never used it. All right, here's uh, a here's a galaxy brain approach to all the information that we have available, and this probably has a three percent chance of being accurate. But we uh, covered practice last week, the first time we've seen the Dolphins practice since December. And one of the biggest uh, responsibilities of beat writers is to take attendance. And Armando, when we took attendance, uh, keep in mind these are voluntary practices. That's a disclaimer we always have to make. They don't, the guys don't have to be there. They're not losing money unless they have incentives in their contract, workout bonuses. They're not losing money by not being there. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're a good citizen in the eyes of uh, the organization if you do participate. They would much prefer players to be there than not. And I'm sure they subtly make that point. Um, there are a couple of significant names that were not there last week. And I think at the top of that list is Xavier Howard. And he is the name that we have always thought, because he wants a new contract, uh, because he has not had the most pristine uh, personal background. He's had, you know, he's, he's a guy who's been arrested and had the charges dropped. He was investigated in, in Atlanta regarding, regarding a shooting. No charges were ever filed there. He does have an injury history, certainly. He's had knee surgery a, n- a number of times. So even though he was probably the best player in the NFL last year, at least on the, on the defensive side of the ball, um, I don't think the Dolphins are wed to him long term. So the fact that he wasn't there last week, and again, we'll see if he's there at mandatory minicamps. He wants a new contract, obviously. Do you think this all could be part of a broader puzzle that about 15 moving pieces, was it a Rube Goldberg type of contraption that ends up with Deshaun Watson as a member of the Miami Dolphins? Because Xavier Howard uh, is a native of Houston. I think that's, a, that, that's another piece of the puzzle too. You, you, we should mention that. And um, <laughs> so that's, that's the thing. And the Dolphins did do a lot of work at cornerback, even this off season. Mm-hmm. which was also kind of interesting to me. 
And I can see stuff going on now. I think the critical mass moment for Xavier Howard is not OTAs, and I don't think it's even the mandatory minicamp, although the mandatory minicamp will send a message glowing in neon. Mm -hmm. Hey, I want more money! But I think the, the opening of training camp is the critical mass moment. If he's not there for the start of training camp, we have a full-on, you know, we have a full-on drama on our hands. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It would be he's he's already a guy that's kind of miffed that he's not making enough money. It'd kind quite, of miffed. Yeah, it would be it would be quite the statement for him to surrender even more money, right? Because that's what he would be doing by skipping minicamp, the mandatory minicamp and training camp, which is of course mandatory for all for everyone in the organization. Um, you know, I'll have to look up what it is per day, but it ain't cheap what he'd be giving up. So he, he'd really, really have to be drawing a line in the sand, I think, to do that. Yeah, Xavier Howard is missed enough to where he was looking at some other moves the team was making, and he was going, why not me? Mm-hmm. So kind of miffed is, is yeah. I was <laughs> kind of miffed. And well, also, you know, let's, let's go through those moves because I, I think our, it, it would it would benefit our listeners to hear them. Obviously, signing Byron Jones to, at the time, was it the biggest contract for a cornerback ever? Correct. Uh, well, that was last year. I'm talking right. about this year. No, but but all these things have happened since Xavier has gotten his extension. Correct. Uh, dra- drafting Noah Igbenogany in the first round, I don't know if that was before or after, but it was around the same time, and it, and it plays into it. Drafting Javon Holland at the second round, who can play corner and safety. Uh, signing Jason McCourty. Uh, they signed a couple of other free agent corners that could help them. It's not like and, – and, again, keep in mind, this was – this was he had arguably the best player uh, by a Dolphins defensive back in the team's 55-year – 55-56-year history. I mean, that, that's not an understatement. I believe – didn't he tied the franchise record for interceptions? Is that correct? I know he got a lot of interceptions last year. It was 10, and he was yep. the leader in the NFL, which makes him the best cornerback in the NFL. And he did that. He did all that in an era where quarterbacks aren't turning the ball over. I mean, when when back in the you know, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s when these some of these DBs had massive interception numbers, you look at what the quarterbacks were doing. The quarterbacks were throwing the ball away and just giving it up. That, that doesn't happen anymore. And so Xavier to have 10 picks in this era is worthy of all the praise he's gotten and probably then some. Absolutely. And by the way, I'm on record, and if you haven't heard, here it is again. Xavier Howard deserves a raise, mm-hmm. and he should be. He's the best player on the team, and it's not close. Mm-hmm. He's the best player on the team. He's the biggest playmaker on the team. He's the best performer on the team. He's the guy that makes the most game deciding plays on the team, I think he should be the highest paid player on the team. So I understand what he's, what he's you know, not happy about. I get it. Uh, and people say, well, he signed a contract. Well, yeah, so what? <laughs> you know, uh, players, Kyle Van Noy signed a contract. Mm-hmm. Does he have that contract now? Did the Dolphins stick with that contract? No. They they got rid of him, and the contract went away. 
So contracts are not written in stone. They're just not. But on either side, in my opinion. I, I agree. Um, I'm just curious if the Dolphins are willing to go there, if they're willing to make him again, give him a substantial raise and, 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 and recommit to him. Because, again, there have been some there have been some off field issues with the guy and he has missed a bunch of games. So, yes, in 2020, he was otherworldly. He was, as I said, probably the best defensive back and the best season by defensive back in the franchise's history. Uh, but past performances does not necessarily mean future earnings, right? You don't necessarily – careers don't go in a linear progression, and sometimes they take a step back, and sometimes dudes get hurt again. So I understand why the Dolphins are cautious with this. I understand that too. I totally understand. I understand both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's hard to argue against the side that, that says, look, I'm the best guy at my position in the league, and there is a guy on my own team that's making more than me at my position. That's not right. What do you think about Emmanuel Agba skipping OTAs? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think that they look. I, I think they're voluntary. I think he he will be at the. Uh, I w- I think he will be at the mini camp. Mm-hmm. There is several guys that, as you know, want new contracts. Gisecki is one. Agba is one. Uh, Jerome. Uh, Baker is one. They want new contracts because they're in their contract year and they believe that if the team believes in them, then let's do it now. Except Mm -hmm. that the team believes you're under contract and we'll do it on our timing when when we're ready. And in that regard, I would say the team, you're under contract, uh, Emmanuel Agba. Unlike Xavier Howard, you're not the best at your position. You're not, you know, a uh, season definer, game changer every week. He had a great season last year. Fair. Actually, he had a very good season. Mm-hmm. He had a very good season last year, but can the Miami Dolphins win with Emmanuel Ogba? I believe they can. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think Agba, all these guys you're mentioning, aside from maybe Jerome Baker, the Dolphins have already drafted their replacements. And and um, Gasicki, of all those guys that deserve a raise, Gasicki probably deserves one just as much as, of all of them, if not more so, aside from X. Um, and he actually showed up, and he said all the right things, and he's doing all the right things. Uh, but... If they hit on their draft picks, all those guys are going to be flipped for comp picks in 2022. I mean, yeah, I'm it, not sure Gesicki falls into that category. Do you? Okay. I mean, I I know that Hunter Long was drafted. I get that, but that makes Durham Smythe, uh, you know, a guy that you can kind of get rid of. I, I think <laughs> move I, on from. I think it'll come down to price. Um, the sure. Dolphins, the Dolphins can obviously franchise him, and the franchise tag number for tight ends is very affordable. 
it's 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 much more affordable than wide receiver and offensive line and certainly quarterback and cornerback. Um, and then they could, if they want to, you know, if they want to play him out in 2020 under the tag, they can. If not, they can flip him for a pick in 22 or let just let him walk and take a comp pick in 23. There are a lot of options they have, uh, but I don't think it was I, I don't think it was coincidence that they looked long, long, long and hard at Kyle Pitts and then drafted a tight end in, in round three. I don't I don't think any of that is coincidence. I I I think they might be preparing for the post Kasicki era. They should have drafted Kyle Pitts. <laughs> but, but I'm not going to, you know, raise that issue again. It's, uh, well, we're out of time for for, for, for any other reason. We're, uh, we gotta, we got to run. All right, that's good because you raised a, a sore spot for me. <laughs> I appreciate that. So that's all we got this week. We will be back next week, as usual, throughout the summer. As the Dolphins continue their OTAs, they continue their Zoom meetings. Remember, it's football season! And we will be here with you every step of the way. 